In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Hey, on this week's show, we are answering your questions about retirement, interest rates, and even real estate. We want to know what's on your mind. Find out how to get your questions answered straight ahead. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Hi, everybody. Welcome. It is the Get Ready for the Future show for the week of April 12th, 2023. I'm Scott Inman, and with me, GenWealth co-founder Janet Walker, as we answer your questions again. We started this Last week, it is going to be Q&A style for the foreseeable future here on the Get Ready for the Future show. We know, Janet, that a lot is weighing on investors' minds, on consumers' minds, on people who are thinking about retirement, and it's all out there, and it's really unclear because the noise has risen, I think, to a very high level. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on with where people are about how they feel about everything that's going on right now. And that's part of the reason that we wanted to make this shift so that we know we're answering literally your questions. Yep. And we're excited today because we have our, our first one that came in the form of, of an audio clip. So yep. you're actually going to get to hear uh, the voice of the listener who called in. We'll hear from Bill shortly. So if you would like to join our show in that way and get your questions on the air like Bill did today, uh, the number to call is 501-381-5228. 501-381-5228. Whatever's on your mind with retirement investments and your money, just let us know what your question is and we'll get it on the air for you and, and, and let you hear what we're thinking. Yeah. And if you don't want to leave a voicemail, you can text your question as well. So that phone number that we gave you works both ways. You can leave a voicemail or you can just send a text and we want to get your questions on the air. So let's get right in and we'll go to Bill, who is uh, from Little Rock. Here's Bill's question. My name is Bill. I'm 70 from Little Rock. My question is, do you consider uh, real estate investment trust funds a good item to have in your portfolio? And if so, what sort of percentage? Thanks for your time. And thank you, Bill, for the question. So we're going to dive into real estate investment trust talk uh, in this part of the Get Ready for the Future show. And I think it's a great topic to discuss from a from a high level view for sure. Now, right. certainly we are not going to be able to tell Bill his specific uh, investment recommendation over the air. But when you think about uh, a diversified portfolio, Janet, and we talk about on the show quite quite uh, often about how it is generally thought of as stocks and bonds. That, yeah. that basically yeah. you get an asset allocation mix of 60-40 in retirement and you're just going to rock along. Well, we saw in 2022 particularly how rocky that ride can be when bonds perform much more like equities and they both went down severely. Yeah, people thought that bonds were a safe place to go and, and they wound up not being because of the impact that they saw from interest rate changes. So it, we really want to take this, this question from an educational standpoint and help you understand 
what a real estate investment trust is. Mm-hmm. I, I obviously, Bill, who called in with this question, has a little bit of a foundation of knowledge on this already. Let's talk to our other listeners mm-hmm. who may not even know what that is, and then we'll get to Bill's specifics here. I'm going to use Amazon as an example. There's a lot of other companies that we could talk about, but that's one that you know pretty much everybody's getting Amazon boxes on their doorstep, so you know who Amazon is. If you think about them in different ways, you could invest, I'm not telling you to do this, but you could invest in Amazon stock. You could buy their stock and it's going to to fluctuate based on the value of, of those shares. What you have invested is going to change. And so if the market, as we often collectively say, if the market goes down, because Amazon is part of the collective market, it's probably going down too. If something yeah. if something bad happens, yeah. everything there is going down to some degree. But what you want to look at is what other type of way could you be sort of you know paying attention to what Amazon is doing and go okay what what other aspects of business are there? Well, they have all these distribution centers, but here's the key: they don't own those buildings where all their stuff is stored. They are renting those buildings. And so they are held in what is called a real estate investment trust. And you could own shares of that trust. And that trust has lots of different buildings, not just an Amazon distribution center and different types of buildings as well. And the rent that comes in off of those properties is considered a distribution. Now, it, that could go directly to you when it's when it comes in or it could be reinvested. Scott, when we use these, we're reinvesting that for people. But we want we want investors to understand that distribution rate is not something that you can do depend on like we yeah. don't want our clients dependent upon that distribution rate as an income stream at that point in time because it can be decreased or it can be stopped so we really look at this as a long-term investment Scott yeah. so if you go to the kind of the top of the uh, pyramid here and discuss this generally a real estate investment trust falls under the header of an alternative uh, investment and there are many types of alternative investments but w- real estate as an asset class, has historically outpaced inflation just like stocks. So the appeal should be there for a long-term holding in real estate as an asset class. But Janet, you've already kind of teed up the uh, conversation about traded versus non-traded because you can invest in real estate, even in a real estate investment trust, in a traded REIT. But those are going to behave much like the Amazon uh, discussion that you just had. It could go up and down just based on the emotional responses or data that comes in on a daily basis that uh, causes investors and traders to react uh, on a daily basis on the market. So a non-traded REIT is one that is not traded on an exchange, and the value of the real estate investment trust is based on the actual appraisals of the real estate that is held inside of the portfolio. And that is usually, uh, in most cases, the ones that we use are going to be appraised on a monthly basis. So that price is only going to reset once every 30 or 31 days. It's not going to trade daily. Now, it is important to point out that because this is an alternative investment, it is a non-traded REIT, that investors must meet certain qualifications to be able to invest in a real estate investment trust. And we don't know Bill's, uh, uh, all of his um, specific or unique situations. We do know he's 70 years old, right. which gives us a, a, a little bit of a topic of discussion there. 
So with with some broker dealers, LPL in our case, with some broker dealers, there are limits to what percentage that you can invest based on your age. There are limits regardless of your age and regardless of a broker dealer based on your liquid net worth. But some will apply additional limits on how much you can invest in a uh, in a real estate investment trust based on your age. And the reason for that is if you think about as you age, the probability of you needing access to money for medical needs increases as you age. And so we want to be sure that any investor does not have too much of their assets tied up in something that really should be considered inaccessible. And when I say should be, there are liquidation opportunities unless mm-hmm. it gets locked down by the company there are liquidation opportunities along along the way but it is not as liquid as a stock for example or cash that you have at the bank obviously mm-hmm. so that's why this is important to really focus on your liquid net worth so Let's talk about what that means, even, Scott. Mm -hmm. Um, Liquid net worth is not going to include the value of somebody's home, because if you have $10,000 in medical expenses, you're not going to sell a bedroom off of your house. You can't carve off a piece of it and liquidate that portion. You can rent it. Yeah, you can rent it. Um, (laughs) So so you want to think about what is liquid, and these percentages are related to your liquid net worth. Yeah. So a couple of things. On the broker-dealer side, our broker-dealer here is LPL Financial, so it sets some... um, uh, some limitations on how much of someone's liquid net worth can be invested into real estate investment trust or really into an alternative investment uh, of any kind. Mm-hmm. And those numbers, those percentages depend on the investment objective of the account, which holds uh, the real estate. So in most cases, the investment objective is going to be growth with income for our clients. So let's just use that as an example. It may not be yours, uh, depending on where you where you do that and what you do. But if it's growth with income, uh, your liquid net worth, if you are under a million dollars, you can put 10% of your liquid net worth into the alternative investments, which could include real estate. Uh, that is, well, that is also an Arkansas rule. So the state of Arkansas has mm-hmm. also put that in place. Uh, LPLs is actually a little bit higher. But if you're in Arkansas, we'll consider that 10%. And then if you are a million dollars or more of liquid net worth, you can actually put up to 20% of your liquid net worth into those programs. But in Bill's case, Bill is 70. So to Janet's point, as you get older, that cutoff is 70 for uh, LPL. In that same investment objective of growth with income, uh, it limits you under a million dollars to ten percent of liquid net worth. If you if you have over a million dollars of liquid net worth, the limit is twelve percent in alternative investments, and then no more than ten percent in any one program. So any one REIT, we'll call it. So Scott, we've gone kind of deep yeah, in yeah. some of these areas. I, I want to kind of just back up and give an overarching big picture answer to to Bill's question. Yeah. Um, in general, we are fans of non-traded REITs. I will say they're they're not right for everybody. They're not right for every situation. And the percentages matter based on the details of, of your situation. But we like that it is, here's the key for me, that it is a non-correlated asset. Mm-hmm. What that means is when the stock market is doing its thing, up, down, sideways, whatever, 
it doesn't have any impact on what a non-traded REIT is going to do. It's not going to, when the stock market goes up, this goes down, or when the stock market goes up, this goes up. This is going to do its own thing. Going back to Amazon stock value versus Amazon paying rent, that stock value, sometimes it's up in a J-curve path, and sometimes it's down and it's ugly. But that rent check is there in January, February, March. It is just, that's what we're looking for. Now, the value of the building is still going to fluctuate. So you do have that fluctuation still, but we, we want to be sure that people understand the reason that we really like it is that it's not correlated to the stock market and it's mm-hmm. not correlated to the bond market. So it is another way for us to diversify when it's the right fit. Yeah. And we do need to move on, but I do want to throw in there real quick too, if it's non-qualified money, if it's yeah. non-retirement money, after-tax money that you're investing, there are some tax advantages, yes. uh, potential tax advantages to that distribution uh, of those real estate investment trusts. So if you have some of that, uh, it might be a, a, an attractive investment to take a look at. But again, and I would tell the, I would end this uh, Q&A session with Bill to just say it needs to be part of your overall plan. It doesn't need to be just a, a random investment. Where does it fit in your overall plan? We consider it from an investment perspective, kind of a bridge between the fixed income and the equities. So it is a diversifier. That's where it fits. And we'll kind of get into the overall planning really with our next question. So as we move on on the Get Ready for the Future show, taking your questions from Margaret in Little Rock, she says, I thought I was okay to retire in 2020 before everything shut down and the market took a hit. Inflation is high and I'm still working because I'm scared. I won't actually have enough money saved and I'm scared about the future of the market. What are my options? Janet, she mentioned she's scared twice. And, yes. and, and that, again, that goes back to what we said at the first of the show. And one of the main reasons we're even going into this question and answer format is we know people are scared. Yeah. Margaret's not alone. And it is the fear is valid. We understand that. And Margaret, we appreciate you, you know, being open and honest about what you're you're concerned about, what your fears are, because that allows us to go, okay, I understand the fear. Now let's look at the facts and see if you feel any differently after you see the facts of where we are, because it can be a very emotional process to invest. So we just want to literally look at the numbers. So we're going to share a graph with you if you're able to see this with us visually um, if you're joining us online to uh, to join in the show today then this is a really good visual of where we have been going back to february of 2019 all the way through the end of march of 2023 this is the s p 500 and you'll see you know it's it's dips and valleys and 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 then peaks along the way as well and i think scott what we really wanted to focus on is margaret talks about she thought everything was okay in 2020, then things shut down. And since that time, basically she's been scared because the market took a hit. What we want to look at is the fact of where were we? The low point was in March of 2020. So at the end of March of 2020, the S&P was at 2584 at that point. Now, at the end of March of 2023, it's at 4109. Guys, that is, uh, in that period of time, a 58.9% increase, and it averages out to 19% per year. Mm. Now, I will say, if you look at the last 12 months, you're not going to see 19% in the last 12 months. But 
over time, you give this some time, and and from that low point where her fear started, we're up fifty eight point nine percent. But there's still fear because when you focus on being down from the high point, that's going to cause you to be afraid yeah. because you're focused on that that peak that I had and I don't have anymore. But where are we over a longer time period? And in that three-year time period, which, Scott, that's really not long in right. the investment world, that is still a short time frame. Mm-hmm. And we're up, again, 58.9% since that period of time. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, there's some there's a term called recency bias, and, yeah. and we only think about where we were as at a high-water mark, and that is very common in the human mind to think about that if you achieve a certain level of assets if your account value reaches the top that you don't ever really think you should give it back that the right that that you've got it in your hand but you didn't sell anything and we're assuming that margaret hasn't sold anything if you haven't gotten out of the market you have not realized any of those losses now what i would say as far as her question is what are her options her option really is solely to plan to create a yeah. plan. And I, and I know we say that generically sometimes that people go, yeah, you say plan all the time. What does that mean? Well, let's talk about it. The account value is is probably your focus, Margaret. If mm-hmm. you're worried about investment losses keeping you from retirement, then you are more than likely solely focused on the account value. I just had a review yesterday with a client who's been with us for just a year. So he came in, uh, at, at, well, it had already started to get a little rocky in April of 2022. In fact, uh, he, his, his portfolio was actually up year over year from April because it was a little bit measured off a lower point. But one of the things he asked me, the first question when he sat down and asked uh, for the review, he said, am I still on track? Or, or is mm-hmm. the income going to mm-hmm. be good? And that's the right question. I told him that. I said, that's the right question. It's not about the account value on any given day, on any given year. It is about your income. Is your income in retirement going to be what you want and what you need? And, And Margaret, I would ask myself that question first and start to think about it from a monthly income perspective. What are your required income needs? In other words, what's it going to take to pay your bills in retirement? And then what do you want above and beyond that? What do you want retirement to look like? And then we can back engineer backwards into mm-hmm. the account value to determine if you can retire, in fact. Well, and I think a lot of people don't know what to do with that lump sum. Like Margaret, and we don't know how much she has, but yeah. if you've got a half a million dollars or if you've got $5 million, what does that mean in terms of income? And most investors don't really know that unless right. they've sat down with a financial planner, a financial advisor to really go, okay, here's what this can do for you in terms of income. Scott, we looked at a three-year timeline. I want to look a little bit more recently even. Um, uh, Today, we've we've hit the six-month marker from October of uh, 2022 when we hit the low point in the S&P 500. Since the 25.4% drop in the index that we had from January of 2022 to October 12th of 2022, uh, through through that date, the S and P has rallied from that low point in October to now fifteen point one percent, and so we still, Margaret, you are not alone in still using this rally cry of "I am scared." Mm. We hear that regularly. What we want you to hear is yes, but where is the market? really and from the low point we're up 15.1 percent if you're still looking at a one-year marker 
then yeah, it, it's probably down in those growth-oriented investments. But again, it is not about, as you said, Scott, it's not about the account value. It is about your income. Now, let's be very clear. In retirement, walking into retirement, even less than 10 years away from a planned retirement, you should not be 100% in equities and expect to take those dips full on with your entire portfolio. That goes back to what we said about planning. In our planning process, the ready-to-retire process here at GenWealth, there's going to be an investment strategy that ideally gets put into place 10 years or less from retirement. And as you walk into, doesn't have to be, by the way, if, Margaret, if you're ready to retire tomorrow, you can still put that ready-to-retire process in place. But the investment strategy, Janet's going to be laid out in basically identifying once the income has the income goal has been put out there, and this would be the portion of discretionary income that you want to spend in retirement. Let's say you want $1,000 a month uh, to come to you in retirement from your assets. The $1,000 you're going to take in those first couple of years is going to be out of the market, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. in, well, first year may even be cash, CDs, right? Money market funds. It could be something very low risk so that you know you're going to be able to get that $1,000 out on a monthly basis without the values going haywire. As we step out and identify what you're going to need five to 10 years out, there's going to be a little bit more risk on that because we know there can be more reward. We talked about the real estate investment trust already in today's show. That gets placed into about a 10 to 15 year bucket of money, if you will. It's designed to be left alone for a decade. So you reinvest those distributions, you get the capital appreciation, you get return on your investments, and then begin to utilize those as you get farther down the road. And then the equity buckets are really meant, Janet, to be 15 years plus before you really touch. Yeah. And so when those buckets go down in value, it's okay. That's literally when, you know, spouses look at each other and one is normally more the worrier than the other one. And and they'll go, honey, you you know, we're down $30,000 here. And the other one looks at it and goes, hey, remember that we don't need that for another 15 years. Where do you want to go eat tonight? Yep. And, And that's it. And I, and I don't want to, you know, belittle that conversation. That's literally like couples have come in and told us this is literally what we just talked about. These are the conversations that are really happening in their homes because when you realize that you don't have to have that tomorrow, you feel differently about it. And I will say uh, one more thing to Margaret, and this is something if you're a regular listener, you hear us say regularly, but I firmly believe it. Education is the antidote to fear. And when I hear you say in your question to us twice that you're scared, then I would just encourage you to get some education that is relevant to your specific situation. So if you're scared about whether or not you can retire, let's answer that question. Because Mm -hmm. instead of living with the fear, Mm -hmm. I would rather know I can retire or even know, you know what, I was right, I can't retire right now. I'm going to have to wait a little bit. But now I have a plan. Yeah. So for Margaret or anybody listening in Margaret's situation, if you're scared and you don't have a plan, if you'd like to walk through the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process, we're open right there. Just call us uh, toll free 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. And get a chance to talk to Anna Olive. She is our client introductory specialist. She'll match you with a Gen Wealth financial advisor uh, to get you started down the road of building that plan. All right, so uh, time to move on to our next question from David. David's in Smackover, and he asks, are interest rates going to continue to rise? And if so, should I invest or save more money 
to reduce loans I may need in the near future. Okay, so let's tackle the interest rate part of that question first, and then we'll get into David's uh, uh, individual situation. Are interest rates going to continue to rise? Ultimately, we don't know. But let's let's kind of look at what's happening right now. As we record this on April 12th, uh, inflation data was just released for the month of March, uh, and we are seeing inflation cool. Consumer prices in March were up just 0.1% month over month. That was the smallest monthly gain since December, and prices were up 5% March over March, so a 12-month, year-over-year marking. That's the lowest annual growth rate since May of 2021. Energy prices are down. Food at home fell uh, in March, so that was the first monthly decline in prices since mid-2020. So the data is suggesting that inflation is cooling off, and you could argue that it is a result, or at least partially due, to the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. The idea here, they've been on a tear, by the way. Nine straight uh, meetings, they have raised the benchmark interest rate, the short-term borrowing rate uh, in this country. So that has now ticked up to about 5%. So that it is interesting to note, our friend Ryan Dietrich actually put this out a while back, that Usually the rate height cycle, the right rate hiking cycle, that is Easy hard to for say. You to say. <laughs> the rate hiking cycle ends when the interest rate catches up to or matches inflation. So mm-hmm. we have now entered a time with this data today that it's about equal. And for yeah. inflation now it could obviously tick the other way when we get our next bout of data. So the Federal Reserve's interest rate hiking cycle, for all intent and purposes, is coming to an end. When? We don't know. Probably this year, but we don't know. The question is, will they leave them where they are for a while? Will they start to lower them? And we just don't know the answer to that. But are interest rates going to continue to rise? Maybe, but we do see a cooling off in the future. However, the conditions we are in, mm-hmm. I will say, David, that and I think I've said this on the show before, that I think I have uh, bought more CDs for clients in the last <laughs> 15 months yeah. than I ever have as being a financial advisor because rates are attractive, right? Yeah, they're, they're they are. Up, you can get you know, 45 5% on a 12-month CD right now. So it is alluring to say, hey, I want to invest in something safe. And I don't know if that's what David's asking. He just says, should I invest or save more money to reduce loans I may need in, uh, in the near future? So there's there's really several points yeah. to this that we need to cover. Um, let's talk about investing as compared to, like you mentioned, we've we've done a lot of CD work recently, but we don't really consider that investing. Right. That that is your safe money that mm-hmm. you need to have accessible in a short term period of time. And while you can get obviously a better return on that than you can for it to just be sitting in cash somewhere. There is a difference between saving and investing because even though getting you know close to 5% on a CD sounds good relative to what we have seen in recent years, when you compare it to inflation, again, it's, it's really not that great. And so it is a safe money move, a short-term money move, not an investment move. Right. So he's asking, should I invest? Should I save more money to reduce loans? I'll tell you, this to me is a stage of life question, and we don't really know where where David is in his stage of life, but David, I'll tell you the story from my family back in in the 80s. There was a time when you could literally, you could get CDs that were paying 15%. Now, if you're, if you're getting 15% on, 
earnings on a CD, that means that whoever is borrowing money and is paying interest is also paying double-digit interest rates at that point. And this, when this happened in the 80s, it was a time where my grandfather and my father were in two different, two very different stages of life. My grandfather was retired, and he was enjoying the fool out of some 15% CDs. <laughs> my father was not retired. He was a farmer who was still acquiring land, and you acquire that through borrowing and getting a loan from the bank, and over time you pay that off. And so he was paying high interest, and I remember him just you know, literally just sweating it out going, I don't know, you know, this is good for my daddy, but it's horrible for me. So, but the, the end of that story is dad made lots of wise decisions along the way. And in spite of those high interest rates that he was paying to acquire land at the time, at this point, all that land is paid for. It belongs to our family. We're good. But there were some sacrifices that we had to make to make those things happen. And I will say, if it had been a car loan rather than like land, which was to a farmer, his investment, that's what he was going to invest in long term. We, we didn't ever have a car payment. Yeah. And that, you know, we might not have had one in a good interest rate environment, yeah. but we definitely, my family never chose to do that. So, I think it is very relative to what types of loans are we talking about? Is it something that is going to move you forward in life or is it just debt because it's debt? You talk about recency bias. When you say 15% on a loan, it makes that 6% mortgage not seem so high, yeah. right? If yeah. you're getting a mortgage now. So many variables with that. I would say this, though, it, you know, the loan matters, right? If you've got a 0% introductory offer, that's one thing. But if you're in something variable yeah. that was at a low rate, 18 months ago Mm -hmm. that has now gone up. Yes, I think that uh, a a portion of your plan should be to get that loan paid off uh, as soon as possible. Um, I'm assuming by David's question that when he says, should I invest or save more money? He has the availability to do that, right? So we've got some margin set up, which is great. But if we don't have a plan, then we need to make, let's check mm-hmm. the boxes. And there's kind of an order here, right? There is. Yeah. There is. And there are there are some things that we would encourage you to pay down sooner. But like if we're talking about, should I invest for retirement or pay off my house sooner, then again, kind of relative to your stage of life, we can't focus on paying off the house and then get to the point of retirement and go, okay, now we need to invest because we don't really have time on our side anymore. That house payment is going to, over time, pay itself off. So if you're not on track for retirement, then we would encourage you to focus on, let's be sure that that's taken care of. Because, Scott, one of the things that we've not even talked about here is the fact that for most people, the time when they retire is really not their decision. They right. think it's going to be, mm-hmm. but because of their health or the health of somebody else or whatever's going on at work, that date winds up getting moved up for a lot of people. So we really want to be sure that in this overall decision that David is making, that the focus on retirement is part of your prioritization. Yeah, that's a great point. You don't want to put that off. You know, there there is something called a catch-up contribution mm-hmm. with the employer plans, but we don't really want to wait till we're 50 to try to catch up. That yeah. should be part of your plan on your radar right now. And I would think uh, as a general rule, even, even before you get to the planning process, if you have an employer plan at work, you should be contributing enough to at least 
at the very least, get the employer match because that's free money. So if you divert your dollars away from that match to be able to pay off debt or to park it into a cash account or even a CD, you're really losing ground. So you want to get the employer match square one for sure. And don't take away from that to reduce uh, debt or to park money in cash. Absolutely. So again, just kind of a question about, you know, what's your stage of life? What do those priorities need to be? Um, And, and, whether those loans that you're talking about potentially acquiring, whether that's something that would move you forward or not. I want to talk too quickly about the CDs. We mentioned that and how mm-hmm. many of our clients have purchased those. I do want to point out that very rarely is that in their overall plan. And right. they, this, this is one-off money, right? It's this ancillary. Is, exactly. Yeah. It's money. In one case, I can tell you it was uh, uh, inherited money for one of my clients and they want to buy a house in the next 12 months. Okay, that needs to be parked in something pretty safe. We don't want to put that in the market and roll the dice and see what happens over the next 12 months. So yeah, an attractive CD rate rate makes sense for him parking that money for a short time horizon. So additional money above and beyond your plan. Yep, a CD could definitely make sense. If you want to know a little bit more about our thoughts on where a CD fits uh, into your portfolio or into your overall financial picture, you can check out The Fastest Four. We do a segment every week called The Fastest Four Minutes in Finance. I put it out on video. It can be delivered right to your email inbox. Uh, and you can get that by texting the word FAST to 501-381-5228. Again, it's 501-381-5228. And just text the word FAST to that number. We're not going to annoy you with additional emails. All you're going to get on Friday morning is an email uh, video delivered to your email inbox. And in four minutes or less, we're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk about the market, investing, retirement, your money, all sorts of uh, topics there. And we do have one available on uh, the place for CDs in your financial portfolio. All right. You heard the uh, bell. And... uh, it is time to wrap this thing up. These things right. are going pretty fast it, when we get into fast. the Q&A. They are. Um, I'm going to take just a moment to talk about Fastest Four. I know that you just did that, but I can say some things about it that you can't because you're the guy who does Fastest yeah. Four. So I get to say, this is really like, it is my absolute favorite piece that Gen Wealth puts out mm-hmm. um, because it is so to the point. We live in such a fast-paced society and to get this little blurb of four minutes that hey, here's what's going on, here's what you need to know, here's why it matters to you, and then move on with life. I, I absolutely love it. So if you if you want to get that, again, you can you can text FAST to 501-381-5228. Um, but I am super excited about having had this audio clip today from Bill yeah. on the show. And so I would also just encourage you as our listeners out there that if you've got any question that you would like to share with us and get on the air, we would really appreciate that. And all you need to do is call us and leave voicemail at 501-381-5228. You can text us as well if you don't want to leave the voicemail, but we love getting your questions on the air. We're going to do it again next week, three or four a week. Uh, Today we talked about real estate investment trusts, alternative investments. We talked about having a plan for retirement in the face uh, of a uh, volatile market. We also talked about, hey, with interest rates going up, what does that mean? How should I look at my money differently? And if you have a question, get it in. And if you have some thoughts from what we discussed today, a couple of action points for you, you can 
Walk through the ready-to-retire process at GenWealth by calling us toll-free at 866-653-PLAN or find free financial resources and tools by going to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash academy. And that's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. Thanks for sending in those questions. We hope we gave you some valuable education today, and we'll do it all again next week. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. The Gen Wealth Financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial. 